Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm going to... That was for the listeners, not you, Kevin. Oh. Fine. You can accept my welcome. You're already here. I already welcomed you. I let you yes. into my home. I let you pet my dog. He well, insisted. Yeah, he did insist. We're very sleepy today, so hopefully that doesn't make the podcast worse. Hopefully not. I didn't so much sleep last night as I laid down for five hours. Yeah, and then both got off long shifts. I actually had a normal shift today, so it's the first time in weeks. Yeah, well, mostly my normal shifts are nine hours, so. Gotcha. Mine are eight and a half, but that includes a half hour lunch, so. Yeah. Although, really, my normal shifts now are ten hours. Fun. No. No, they're not. But this isn't a work podcast. It's a manga podcast. And we read Shonen Jump. I should have written the number down. 348? That sounds right. No, I think it's 349. So this is the confusing thing. So it'll say on the manga, number 48. But if you go to Comixology, it's issue 349. Gotcha. Thanks, Comixology, for being confusing. Although I think Comixology has the real number. So probably thanks, Viz, for being... Yep. I just pulled it up. 349. Yeah, at first I thought I had uh, done all the hyperlinks wrong. I was like, oh no, am I linking to the wrong webcomic? And I was like, no, no, I, I did it right. The, the numbers don't match up. Okay. I don't know what Viz is doing. I just, I don't. Anyway, it's got a Promise Neverland cover. It looks fine, if I'm being honest. I don't think colors do Emma super well. No. But it does look kind of striking. It looks almost more photorealistic than any of the other covers I've seen so far. Which yeah. is strange, because it doesn't really represent the art sale of Promised Neverland. Yeah. At least not of the protagonists. So that brings us to the first chapter, which is The Promised Neverland, Chapter 109, Keep Going. It starts out with a cool color Halloween-like spread cover, in addition to the like main cover, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, I really like the all the kids are like dressed up as various monsters, and it looked really good. Yeah. So it starts with them getting to the forest and hiding there. And have they been there before in the manga? Yeah. That's why the kids are like, it's like coming back home because they they hid out there for a little while before they found the shelter. Gotcha. It looks very good. It looks more like a cave system or like a video game forest than an actual forest with only certain ways you can go. But it looks really nice. I think they're like in a root system. So there's like a cave system built out of the roots or something like that i'm I'm not entirely sure but i think that's what is going on there they're like underneath the level of the forest so this chapter is basically two different dream sequences one is one that emma is having where she kind of realizes subconsciously that yugo is dead but like dream yugo tells her to not worry about the decision she made and basically just tells her to step over the bodies and keep going hey that's the name of the chapter yeah. Or was meanwhile, Yugo is like going to heaven. So I guess we have confirmation that he and Lucas are dead. Yep. Because we see them both in heaven. I honestly thought for a second that Yugo was still alive somehow. Yeah. And I was like, wait, and Andrew also made it? Oh, oh no. Okay. They're at the part before he blew himself up. And we see a little bit more of Yugo's past. I assume this is stuff we've pretty much already seen. Basically, he tried to kill himself at one point, but failed. Actually, that is brand new. Okay. Apparently in January 2046. So do we know what year it is right now? Well, so he tried to kill himself right as the kids found the shelter. Gotcha. Okay. So that's why he said, you robbed me of my chance to kill myself. He was like pulling the trigger as he heard the click of the door opening. 
Gotcha. Okay. So this gets rid of any ambiguity about Yuga and Lucas maybe being alive. They're definitely dead end in he- heaven. And now the kids are on their own again. Yep. I like this chapter pretty well, mostly I think because I really like Emma and it's almost entirely from her point of view. Yeah. And I like her like self-doubt, although her dream gets a little weird and her realizing, oh, this is clearly a dream and Yugo must be dead is a little bit. It's a little weird. I also I liked the the kind of heaven sequence where he meets up with all the other kids. It's yeah, like from his uh, orphanage, from his orphanage. And he's like, sorry, I wasn't expecting to come here so soon. And they're like, oh, well, you did your best. Yep. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's a happy ending for him, I guess. I guess we confirm heaven is real and promise never land. Yeah. Or he's got some real weird gas. Well, I mean, the demons come from somewhere, so maybe there's a third realm. That's probably true. Anything else to say about Promise Neverland this week? It was a pretty brief chapter. It was a good start to the issue, but to be honest, it ended up ranking pretty low for me. Spoilers for later. Yeah, I think I also ranked it kind of low, but that wasn't by its fault like i felt like it was a pretty good chapter i just felt like there were a bunch of other better ones all right so speaking of that one piece chapter 922 supreme commander kaido of the animal kingdom pirates this chapter was rad yep uh this has drunk dragon kaido going around yep reckon yeah and everyone else being freaked out because nobody can deal with kaido and it's like oh he's drunk now and i think it's hawkins is talking about, like, hopefully he doesn't destroy the entire town. Or maybe it's yeah. Jack. I think it's Jack. And okay. then Hawkins shows up later. Okay. Shutenmaru and Kaido apparently have a past. It looks like Shutenmaru fought him at one point. Yeah. But could not defeat him. So he became a bandit. Uh, Luffy goes to deal with him. And Law's like, hey, I'll chase after him alone because he knows we're here. So hopefully yeah. that will let us preserve our cover. And Hawkins is like, hey, Straw Hat is totally at Castle Odin. And Jack's like, is he really? He's like, nah, I made that up. But he doesn't know that. But ironically, they are all at Castle Odin. And he destroys it in one blast. So the issue ends on a rad, like, cliffhanger of Luffy just decking him. Because he just blew up all his friends. Yep. And they're probably fine. They're, I mean, they're most definitely fine. Like, A, One Piece is not even close to being done. And B, there's no way he's wiping out the whole Straw Hat crew the second they got back together. Hey, Jimbei wasn't there. It's going to be Luffy, Luffy and Jimbei <laughs> Adventures. Lock and come to. But yeah, I definitely like Luffy does his elephant gun right into Kaido's head in dragon form. It was a super high action chapter and it ended on a super cool cliffhanger. It was really good, yeah. Also, we had the moment of when Kaido showed up in dragon form. Momosuke was also like almost changed into dragon form against his will it seemed like so there probably is something linking the two of them together yeah i'm pretty sure something's going on there we'll find out at some point yeah but they definitely hinted at the fact that it was like clearly he didn't decide to turn into a dragon now so there's there's some link between the two of them so next we had a kind of new series to Shonen Jump, a returning series. I assume you were not familiar with this? Nope. Uh, this had vanished from Shonen Jump before I started reading. I had never heard of it before. It's World Trigger, and they're jumping back with Chapter 165, which is called Osama Mikumu Part 16. That is the name of the main character as well. Yes. So, that's confusing. They had a three-page, here's what you need to know about this series, to catch up. And it was basically making it sound like Attack on Titan if the Titans were, like, extra-dimensional. Yep. 
and that people needed weird weapons called triggers to hurt them. But that's not really how the story reads, though. No, not at all. Is this just a manga about a Halo tournament, Kevin? Because as far as I can tell, this is just a Halo tournament. Yeah, but in real life, as opposed to, it's like a video game high school. It's like real people doing the video game stuff. So it's not a bunch of guys at their computers. They're like actually running around doing stuff. Yeah, but they're talking about what map is going to get chosen. And it's a map that has a bunch of big buildings. So it's bad for snipers. There are like a few major like streets you can snipe on but then they're talking about oh it's got buildings with lots of floors so enemies will appear close on the radar even if they're above or below you yep and it's just like a halo map choice that's totally what it sounded like to me i just i wanted to make it sound like it wasn't them literally like playing a training sim or something like that they're actually fighting one another to increase their rank yeah they gotta grind rank so they can be chosen for the mission to save the main character's girlfriend yeah this is super weird because they mentioned that they're like all right we specifically need this person on the mission but you're still gonna have to grind rank but really like you you specifically need that girl i i guess i think she's a girl i don't know i i don't know either anyway there's live commentary and this chapter is just basically a whole bunch of characters with their name their age and their like position on the team showed yep. up but there's like at least three different teams i think there's four right different teams i that seems right to me but i could only definitely tell there were three when i was reading it but it yeah. seems like four would be more symmetrical and if the main characters lose they only have one more chance after this so not a ton of tension really yeah so yeah it, this chapter was very weird because it was like yeah we're jumping back into world trigger with pronouns and that's it and and this weird map, like, them talking about the map choice, and that, that was the whole thing. Just seems a very weird jumping back on point. I me. did like the strategizing, and I did appreciate all the names being thrown on the characters, but there were so many characters in this, they really all bled together. Yep. I'm probably going to try and catch back up on this. I think they mentioned that you can read a bunch of it on Viz's website. Yes, but only until October 31st which is tomorrow when we're recording this and in the past when we release this. Yeah. So I'm going to try and find it somewhere and <laughs> catch back up because the previously on got me really interested in the story. So maybe this is just a very weird jumping on point. Could be. Do you know if it was running in another magazine or if like it had been on hiatus or what the deal is? I don't. Okay. I'm guessing because it's jumping back out of nowhere, it was on hiatus for a long time. My impression was maybe it was in another magazine, but I don't know that for sure. Well, because they they made mention of the fact that, oh, to get you guys caught back up. Yeah. And I do know with One Punch Man that does run in some other magazine first, like the Shonen Jump version is not caught up to the actual release. So, but they don't, they don't mention that in Shonen Jump at all. Like it, it was just because I follow like the actual release. Basically, I follow a Reddit where people pay attention to Murata's Twitter when he's talking <laughs> about, oh, almost finished the chapter. And so they're all excited for the release. But yeah, I don't know if this was running in a different magazine or it was on hiatus for two years. This seems like a very weird spot to put it on hiatus. So yeah, I don't know. Next, we have Food Wars chapter 285, His Last Meal. 
which basically went exactly how I expected it to. Yeah. I still liked it, though. Like, I, just because I saw the twist coming didn't ruin it for me. The Noor guy who was impressed by, like, Soma's judgment is sticking around to watch him, basically, and be the anime commentator guy. Yep. He goes up and tells the Noor guy he's a jerk, basically, but he won't hold that against him. So, I guess Soma's a good judge of character. This seems like a thing he's probably done before. Yep. Anyway, he decides to just serve an appetizer to him. Yeah. To And basically be like, hey, uh... Even if you can't cook anymore, you can still eat. So when you want your final meal, come to my restaurant. But until then, stop moping. Yep. And he passes. And prevents the guy from attempting suicide, it turns out. Yeah, because the guy had two guns on him. A real gun and the fake pop gun that shoots the word past when he fires it. Yeah. It was a pretty straightforward chapter. It definitely wasn't bad, but it was also exactly what I expected. So it's still Food Wars. The art was still great. Yep. The presentation was still great. We got to see, like, flashbacks to him serving mafia bosses, which is pretty cool, but... Yeah, I did like the insight into the the no- old noir guy's, like, history and a bit of what he had done. And the fact that he was like, I'm too old to work in the kitchen. And the one guy being like, oh, well, you can retire under the lap of luxury. And he's like, nah, I can't I can't do that. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do if I'm not cooking. Yep. Um, so speaking of not cooking, that's a terrible transition, but we're we're powering through this issue of Shonen Jump. Even though I actually really liked this one, I think it's been my favorite, like, overall issue since we started the podcast. Yeah, there's just, there hasn't been, a like, a ton of story to any of the chapters so far. So that brings us to Hunter Hunter, chapter 386, Hypothesis. I think maybe I got this one. Okay. Or at least part of it. Yeah. So the prince that got shot last time was never shot, but the gun fired off, so the lady is trying to figure out what happened. Yep. I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to be as confused as she is in that case. Yes, that has happened a lot in earlier chapters of Hunter x Hunter. Before the abilities are explained, you're kind of following the perspective of characters, so you don't know what's going on. Meanwhile, Melody, the flutist from a few chapters ago now, is... In police custody. Basically, the officer who's talking to him, I don't know if he's a character from before or if he's new, but he's figured out what happened, but can't really prove it. And the suicide note that the female prince's like guardian left says it was all his idea. Yep. So that's the only proof, but he's keeping Melody there to examine and basically kind of protect in case anyone else has figured it out and would go after him for that. Yeah, he's also keeping Melody because the other princes want access to her ability. So he's keeping her in custody so that they can't use that. Because the ability to essentially knock everyone out for three minutes is pretty powerful. Yeah, so then we go to who I think is the prince from the first chapter I read, who has the archer ability. Yep. And he's talking about someone else's ability transplanting someone's soul and them not being really sure how it works. I think it's his ability, the... His soul arrow things allowed one of his subordinates to take over the body of someone else or something like that. I think that's what's going on. They're trying to figure out his ability, like exactly how that works. Because he does he does this thing where he like builds up his followers and then can like fire them like arrows, I yeah. think is how that works. It did explain it in the first chapter I read. Yeah. He has a hypothesis about how his ability works, but the audience doesn't get to hear it, so... Yep. That's kind of strange. Yeah, I 
It's kind of the, we'll reveal it if it works or not kind of thing. Yeah. So that's the confusing thing with a guy who shoots himself in the head. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say next. Who is that? That was the guy he was talking to. Like, would you be willing to test out my hypothesis? And he said, yes. And then that's the guy who shoots himself in the head. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Then. Yeah, so they're trying to figure out where the other guy's soul is when it gets transplanted. They're like, there's three options. Either the soul is gone, it's in his body, or it's somewhere else. And so they're trying to figure out which one of those options. Actually, I think there were four options. There was a fourth option. Because I think it was, it's gone, it's still inside his body, it's in someone else's body, or it's, I forget what the fourth option was. Yeah. But there were there were four options, and they're like, ah, oh, these ones are hard to test, would you be willing to try this? And then he shoots himself in the head, and that's all we know about it so far. And meanwhile, Karapika is teaching Nen to a bunch of people. And yeah. so we finally get to see who is ostensibly the main character of this story arc doing yeah. some stuff. Uh, is this stuff about Nen new that we're learning, or is it just a no. refresher for the audience? It's Don't a refresher you? for the audience, because the, all the characters have gone through the water definition thing of figuring out. And they use that a lot to show to show what power people have. They go through the water divination thing. And it looks like some of the people there are plotting against him, but yeah, are not really given details, or was that already established? We we knew that from the start. Even Karapika knew that, because he invited two people from every prince's retinue. So he, he said, you can send whatever two people you want from your retinue to come learn Nen from me. And so he knew some of the princes like already had people who knew how to do Nen. So some of the people there already know how to do it. Right. And so they're like, we want to see what his training method for teaching people in two weeks is exactly what he's trying to do here. And he kind of stated part of the plan of I'm here just to help spread information to shore up the princes that don't have access to Nen users. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. And then we end on, I wouldn't call it a cliffhanger exactly, but the prince who's learning Nen being like, Ah, I'm actually kind of into that girl who's trying to kill me. Yep. And not being really clear if he's being serious or not. Yeah. So that's strange. It's very strange. Anything else to say about Hunter Hunter? Like I said, I think I got this one. Yeah. It's definitely the most I've enjoyed any chapter of Hunter Hunter yet. Yeah, I've been liking the chapters of Hunter Hunter, but they're still just that confusing... All right, we're going through the mystery, and we're just keeping more reveals, and we're getting hints, and I hints and false hints and all this other stuff. I'm just kind of, I'm not waiting for it to start wrapping things up, but I'm excited for it to start wrapping things up. Or for something to explode in like a yeah. Raymond Chandler sense. Yeah, some something to happen, Yeah, essentially. Like, there's a lot of, like, stuff yeah. being introduced to us. I'm waiting for something, like, concrete to happen. I mean, we had the, the one prince died. Yeah, and the one person shot himself in the head, but and there was an assassination attempt, and it still feels like nothing has happened. Yep. Hunter Hunter's wild, guys. Uh, speaking of wild, next is Dr. Stone, Z equals 80, humanity's strongest tag team. And this series finally seems like it's kind of going somewhere. Yep. Or maybe it's still wrapping up. I I honestly think it's still wrapping up. I think, like, this is going to be the penultimate, you know, this is going to be the... Not the penultimate chapter, but the it's going to be Sukasa and Senku versus Gen. Gen, that's his name. As did I say, it was not mentioned in this chapter I'm or the gonna, previously on Doctor Stone. I'm going to so. go with Gen, 
And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm just going to keep sticking with my guts. So at least I'm not like flip-flopping across episodes. So anyway, Gen's like, ah, yeah, Tsukasa sucked. Most humans suck. Join me, Senku, and we can rule the galaxy as strong dude and smart dude. Yep. And Senku's like, nah, man, I'm not feeling it. And he's like, well, I'm going to torture you till you say yes. But, you know, it's a good effective way to get people on your side. Yeah, sure. Effective, yes. Good. Eh. But Senku apparently has a bunch of stone birds and is just like throwing them at him and then like flashing the miracle. Well, I think he found some stone like he's throwing rocks at first and then it's shown that it's like he found a couple of the stone birds and had a bit of the extra miracle fluid. So they turn into live birds and surprise Gen. And then it turns out because this was after Sukasa like tapped him on the heel to show that it's like, hey, I'm still here. Even though he's like, ah, I stabbed him in the chest. That guy's clearly dead. Nah, he's totally fine. So it's a pretty cool move to have bird rocks <laughs> yes. throw at him. And that distraction so Tsukasa can do get a splash panel page punch in. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, let's team up. This is a good idea. I'm going to turn you into my ally like I'm some sort of shonen protagonist, Tsukasa. Well, I mean, he is, so. Yeah, he's like, cool, that works for me. So it's a pretty good setup. They're going to fight again, even though Tsukasa's super wounded. Yep. And Tsukasa's like, oh, nah, you're like the worst tag team ever. You guys will suck. Even though that's literally his thing about them being the best tag team ever. Yeah. Was like, I'm strong, you are smart. He's strong, he is smart. Strength and science working together, haha. Yeah. So anyway, I like this a lot more. It does seem like it's actually going somewhere, whether it's to a conclusion or yeah. going to continue on. And that brings us to Black Clover, page 179, Battle for the Royal Chamber. And this one completely lost me. Completely. Last week, I yeah. thought I knew where we were, but now we're not in that battle anymore. There's nope. some, there's we're on a, a different one. There's an elf taunting some people. Yep. There's a dude. Is he the wizard king? He no. Looks like a king, but he sucks. He's the regular king. Oh, the regular king. <laughs> no wonder he sucks so bad. <laughs> yeah. It's essentially like the wizard king is just the leader of the magic knights. And gotcha. this guy's like the actual king of the kingdom. Okay. So everyone respects the wizard king more. And that's made this guy like become even worse of a person because he realizes nobody actually likes him, even though he's the king. Gotcha. And so... Some guy, is he the captain of the team, Yami? Or yeah, he's the captain of the Black Bulls, yeah. Shows up to save Asshole King. Yep. And that's all I got out of this. There's a bit more going on, but again, you need a lot of the backstory. They're like revealing a lot of the things. The one elf using spatial magic that erased the king's very stupid spell of check out my golden majesty, which is like just a glowing idol of himself. His brother shows up and there's been this whole thing between rivalry between the brothers because one the one that's an elf right now was like really talented and the black bulls one was seen as not talented at all and so there's the rivalry between the two of them gotcha that makes sense yeah but we cut away from the characters i was learning about and we didn't even go to the main characters yeah well i mean we had been we actually haven't touched on aster you know for a while no because we have i think during the first chapter, we did a little bit with Yami and the captain of the Green Mantises, who is the other guy that's with him. That sounds right. They got some cool magic. Yami can control darkness or like gravity, something like that. It's really cool. And then the king of the Green Mantises has slashing magic. His magic is literally all about cutting anything. 
And if he can't cut it, he attempts to cut it and then can then like learn about it and cut it. He's like a Zorro. Yes. But he, he gets these like praying mantis like blades coming out of his arms to do the cutting. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Black Clover? I know you like it a lot more than me, but like, yeah, this one completely lost me. I I understand that because there's like, oh, yeah, they're talking about Langris and it's like his family is there and all this other stuff is like, yeah, if they don't mention who any of these people are, which would kind of ruin it, honestly, it's because we're at kind of a climax right now, at least the, at least of an arc, if not of the entire the entire story. So they're not really explaining as much as you probably would like. No, not at all. Yeah, so not knowing what's going on really ruins a lot of the impact of like what's going on in the chapter for you. All right. So that brings us to we never learn question 85. <gasps> the Star of Ultimate Love in the Name of X part 1. <laughs> These titles are going to be the death of me. All right. You know how I loved We Never Learn in that first episode? Yep. This is the We Never Learn I fell in love with. Yep. This one right here. And I know what's going on now. This is kind of a serious chapter, air quotes, at least compared to all the ones I've read so far. So it's student teacher conferences time. Yep. And we see Yugiya's mom for the first time since I started reading. Yep. Just looks like a high school girl like all of the other characters. I think that's... Like, one of her character traits is, like, she looks really young, so people don't think of her as Yugi's mom. She, she also, looks more like his older sister, maybe. She also acts really young and is always going around school like, oh, those two are holding hands! Romance! Yep. yep. Yugi, you should go romance. Yes. It's a verb, right? Sure. We'll make it a verb. Fumino, who is the literature girl, yep. is kind of depressed because her dad hasn't shown up for conferences. Yep. But she's like, ah, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, Yu-Gi-Oh. And his mom rushes off so they can be alone. Yep. But they run into Ogata and uh, Urika, who are sports and math girl. Yep. Specifically outside the super intense math teacher from the earlier chapter, who I loved, is there like, Ogata, you have to reconsider. Yep. Uh, And she's like, no! And Fumino's like, dad, quit being a creep. Which is a great reveal that math teacher is Fumino's jerk, terrible father. He's like, ah, you suck at math. You should just go to a literature school. Nerd. It's specifically, it's more like you suck at science. At least you're pretty good at literature. You should do that. Like, he at least acknowledged the fact that she's good at literature. Like, maybe not to the extent that she actually is because it's not math and that's what he really focuses on, but he's like, you're terrible at science. You should not do it, which is honestly a very flawed reasoning behind. It's like the whole reason I want to go to school is to learn things. Why would I learn things that I already know how to do? <laughs> he's like, ah, you can, I guess you can go to science school, but not with my money and you'll have to live with someone else. Yep. Well, first he's like, are you going to get an apartment? Yeah, I'll get a part-time job. Who's going to be your guarantor? No, you know, they won't give you an apartment if you don't have any money. Yeah. And that's when uh, Yugiha offers to have her live with him for a while. Yeah. And it's a pretty cool cliffhanger to end on. We did skip the part where Fumino is like, quick, Urika, grab Ogata and run, because my dad is a jerk. And she's like, you want us to elope? And she's like, that is not what I said. Yep. Also, that wasn't a uh, sports girl. Oh, it's not? No. 
I Sports Girl is the one that's more tan. Gotcha. This was that's the one that likes Ogata. Gotcha. Okay. Like that was the one where it was her and Yugia and Ogata that were that on like the triple date. That thing. makes sense. For some reason, I thought she was also Sports Girl, but you're right. No. She is not. Yep. Anyway, it's very good. It's very and good. You should read it. There's that great bit about. Ah, he's being too creepy. You should at least spend two years sneakily taking pictures of her first. <laughs> There's this great editor's note, which I think I wrote down. Oh, yes, I did. Uh, do not take pictures without consent, which is very good. And an important lesson, cosplay is not consent. Yep. Just remember that if you're going to any cons. So speaking of cons, next we have My Hero Academia. Do you have anything you want to say about that, Kevin, in the broad strokes? This is a pretty cool chapter, so we're in... It's like a mini tournament arc. They're pitting class A and B against one another. So we're learning a lot more about class B through this situation. So a new match just started. So or technically it started just the last episode, but now we're like, oh, here are some of the powers of these guys. And it's pretty cool. I'm slowly catching up on my hero academia. I'm twice as far into it as I was last week. You know, in like 20 more weeks, maybe we can talk about it. Who knows? So this issue closes out with the comic chapter three, which is, again, the story about manga prison. Yep. I guess it's not really about manga prison. It's about a murder mystery, but. Well, this one explained it a bit more in the fact that because of like piracy and a bunch of other things, the manga industry feels it's a bit in trouble. So it's trying to cut corners as much as possible. So they're like, hey, if we have like, you know, prison inmates that I can pay like nothing to have them do work for me, I'm going to use them. It also straight up uh, says that Manga Asshole is the guy who committed the murder. Although it makes it look like an accident. Yeah. Like, it, the main character does not figure that out, but we the audience see not everything that happened. But... Yeah, we see the aftermath of, we see Manga Dick uh, standing over the railing looking down. Seiwa Himikawa. Yes. Sure. Uh, he's he... dressed as a witch, you know, like yep. a dude would and then he turns around to Baba and says, you know what to do. And Baba starts drawing the symbol. So clearly something more is going on with that. But he was at least there that night. Like we as the audience know, he was there. And the way it's framed, it looks like he pushed her off the balcony or maybe she fell. Yeah. So we don't we don't quite know if it was an accident yet or if it was an intentional murder or maybe it was just manslaughter. But... Uh, we also find out Himikawa owns Princess Pharmaceuticals, which is apparently a giant pharmacy company, yep. which I guess is to explain why he has black ops agents he can send to stock manga artists. Yeah, well, that was pretty great. It was like, why would somebody who owns stakes in a company like that be drawing manga? <laughs> Takes all types. Yeah, well, it's more the fact of like, why would you be working to draw manga when you're this rich? I mean, he's super popular as a manga artist. Yeah. So. There's the fame. Basically, the main plot of this is Ryota, the main character, kind of cracking Himikawa's alibi, which is basically he was live streaming yeah, at he, the time of the murder. His studio was like 25 kilometers away from the crime scene, so there's no way he could have committed the murder because he was live streaming during the event. Yeah, but there are fireworks on the recording. Yep. And his studio is nowhere near fireworks, but there were fireworks near the murder. Well, and there was also, he looked up, he was like, oh, for that fireworks show, normally like it ends at 930, but instead that year it had been later. 
or something like that. So it, it had been delayed due to rain. Yep. It started late. Yeah, it had started late. So he figured out because of that and the fact that he assumed the alibi was wrong in the first place, he was like, oh, they don't do that fireworks show near his office, so you wouldn't have heard it regardless. So he must have been there at the scene of the crime and probably just had like a mobile studio set up, which yep. is very possible. Uh-huh. It was not my favorite issue of this comic so far. It no. It seemed a lot weaker than the other ones, but it's still very good. I I really like this one. All right, well, speaking of what we like and don't like, this might actually be the most we vary ever, just judging by our reactions so far. But let's get into our ranking segment. This is Jump Card. Okay, Jump Card is the segment where we rank the manga chapters in Shonen Jump each week from best to worst with an asterisk for My Hero Academia because I don't read it. Well, for now. You want to start, Kevin, with your number nine? Yeah, sure. So my number nine was World Trigger. I'm actually really interested in this. Like I said, I'm probably going to go back and read at least the first couple of chapters and see if I continue liking it or see if I'm just going to kind of read along and see what's going on. But the fact that it was the previously on really got me excited, and then it just threw a bunch of characters' names in my face, and that was essentially all that happened that chapter, really was a downer. Like, I was expecting, all right, we're doing this tournament arc thing, and there was the map talk for a little bit, but it wasn't that much of it. Like, more than 80% of the chapter was just people's names, I felt like. Yeah, and there are a lot of people. My number nine, though, is Black Clover. I don't want to give up on this series, but part of me wants to give up on this series. Well, and you can't, because until it gets out of Shonen Jump, you're going to keep reading it. That's true. I'm trapped with Black Clover. Yeah, this one just did nothing for me. There was, like, nothing I could hook onto. Yeah, and a lot of that is because of the reveals were based on stuff that you should have known that you don't because you jumped in late. Yeah. All right, what's your number eight? My number eight was Hunter x Hunter. So like I said, I actually was really interested in World Trigger, so I re- actually really liked, like you said, this overall Shonen Jump. So I did like this week's Hunter x Hunter. It just kind of ranked down towards the bottom because it's still, there's confusing bits. They're giving us like hints and false hints and all this stuff, and I'm kind of just waiting for, waiting is not the right word. I'm I'm excited for the conclusion to the mystery. So it's just kind of because I'm in this interim part of like, I can try and make guesses, but they're withholding a lot of information from me, so I'm not going to make good guesses, so I don't want to just keep throwing darts at the dartboard until I can at least see part of the dartboard. My number eight is also Hunter Hunter. I actually understood this one, which is why it went above Black Clover, but yeah, I just feel like it's a really unfocused. So, yeah. so many characters and so much going on, and I don't really know what anyone wants. Yeah, I feel like... If I go back and read this arc when it's finished in like not quite a single sitting, but like back to back to back to back, I will enjoy it more than this weekly thing of like I get a bunch of other stuff in my head and then it's like, oh, wait, yeah, back to Hunter x Hunter. Wait, what was going on? And like that 
that is just stopping the mystery. Like, I'd be reading a mystery like one page a day, which would just be very weird for me. So my number seven was Dr. Stone. I did kind of like this chapter. Like you said, it, it seems like it's picking up to go somewhere. We've got Tsukasa and Senku facing off against Gen. It just, the other, a lot of the other chapters in the book got me more. So Dr. Stone ended up breaking down here. So my number seven is World Trigger, because while there was just a lot of characters introducing themselves, basically, and a lot of them had the same reaction to the same events, I did kind of dig the map strategizing and the, oh, what map are they going to choose? That's going to be real important for us. Yep. And that element is cool. And I'm down for like some weird esports manga, although it does seem like a weird shift in stakes from where this manga started, if you just read the previous Leon. Because, yeah, it starts off with, oh, we're trying to protect our city from invaders, too. All right, time for a tournament. Like To grind rank. Yeah, to grind rank. Not even to, not specifically to get stronger, just to grind rank. We aren't a high enough level for the next arc yet, so we have to enter this tournament. Yep. So my number six was Promised Neverland. This chapter was pretty good, but, again, it just kind of fell short of some of the other chapters for me. The double dream sequence was just a little weird. Like, I... I didn't not enjoy it. I really liked the heaven sequence, but the double dream sequence, it was kind of the, so we only had like two or three panels of actual stuff happening. Yeah. Technically. Promise Neverland was also number six for me. And I think most of what I liked, it was all of Emma's inner monologue and stuff. And for her as a continuing character, I think that's kind of important. Whereas Yugo, it is an interesting choice to say, oh no, he's totally dead. He's literally in heaven. Yeah. But seeing the end of him like it didn't do that much for me although i'm joining the series pretty new so i didn't get to see a bunch of his other stuff he yeah he hasn't been with us for very long they found him relatively late in the series but like you said i do like the emma's internal monologue it just i felt like this was a really strong shonen jump so it was kind of hard to all right i put this one down here because of this one small thing like (laughs) it was it was mainly dream sequences. That that dropped it down a couple of pegs. What do you have at number five, Kevin? At number five, I have Black Clover. I actually like this chapter. There were some great stuff going on between characters that Jeremy has no idea what's going on between them. So it's like you don't know who any of these people are, what their relationships are, and so that kind of ruins it when they're doing these reveals. So I understand why you totally lost it on this chapter. But I really enjoyed this one. My number five was Dr. Stone. I liked it quite a bit. And I've talked before about how Dr. Stone, the storytelling of the art isn't always good, even though a lot of times the individual panels are. And this one didn't have that problem, but it still had really good panels. The one where Sukasa gets his punch in in particular looks yep. really cool. And the bird trick was actually, I thought, really clever and a cool thing that can only ha- really happen in that setting. Yep. What do you got at number four? At number four, I had We Never Learn. I did really like We Never Learned this week. There was some great moments in it. And number four, I had Food Wars. I did like the chapter, like I said, but it was also exactly what I was expecting. And that's always a little disappointing. Yeah, I'm I'm much less upset when my suspicions are confirmed in that way. You know, like, oh, upset isn't the right word. I still put it at number four above a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, but it, but it bothers you a little bit. I guess it, it bothers me less. Kind of have that, haha, I did guess it correctly. It depends on how well it's set up. Sometimes only one thing can happen, and you're so excited to see that thing happen. Yeah. Like, when Goku shows up, you know someone's going to get wrecked. 
Yeah. And like, I can't help but throw up my arms. But this was more of, yeah, this is what I expected. Now he's through the first preliminary round. Wasn't much to that, really. Yeah. What do you have at number three? So actually, in between my three and four is where I put My Hero Academia. There was some really good stuff going on, but it's just more character introductions. So it's like, I still really like it, but it didn't jump up to the top of my list on like some of these other chapters. So my number three was Food Wars. I really liked this chapter. I liked the, and I mean, we both called it that it was, oh, he's going to make it so that this isn't the guy's last meal. But I liked the fact that the meal he presented was a Japanese dish that's literally used to make you hungrier. Like it's the snack served for free to customers to make them want to order food. And it was like a really good version of that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, My number three is the comic. Like I talked about when we talked about it, I just didn't like this chapter as much as I have previous one. It's still in my top three. So I still really liked it. But this one felt the most kind of rote to me. The most just like, this is the next point in the story. Yeah. My number two was One Piece. I really liked this One Piece chapter. There was some great stuff going on. Drunken Kaido was awesome. We have the great cliffhanger of what happened to Luffy's crew. The like, panel of Kaido destroying Odin Castle in one blast, I had to re- read like three times just because I didn't believe that was what was going on. Yeah. But it looks awesome and it happens so fast. Yeah. It's such an escalation. Well, yeah, because it's literally like Luffy and Trafalgar running towards Kaido. Kaido zips past them and just blows up the castle, like, instantaneously. And you can just see Luffy just kind of lose it. And it, this, these next couple of chapters for One Piece are going to be great. Oh, yeah. It's also my number two. Yep. So what do you got at number one, Kevin? Uh, so my number one is the comic. Even though it was, like you said, a little rote, I still really liked it. I liked the sequence at the beginning where we kind of get a confirmation that clearly Himikawa was there and it took me a while to recognize Baba but because he had hair and the times we've seen him he hasn't had any because it's been shaved off but that there was some link between them and then the manga artist managing to figure out that oh his alibi isn't airtight I actually figured out a flaw in it that the police never caught was pretty cool uh, my number one is We Never Learn, because it had, like, all the funny stuff I love from We Never Learn. Yep. But it's also pulling out in this character I thought was, like, a one-off gag that I really liked, even though I kind of hate him now. Yeah. And it's setting up for, like, a new kind of status quo, even though I think that'll be resolved in a couple of chapters. Probably. It's an interesting change. Or maybe not. Maybe this <laughs> will be even more of a twist thrown on Yugiha that now Fumino is living with him. Yeah. Either way, I'm excited to see what happens. Yep. So yeah, I really like this issue of Shonen Jump overall. We kind of blew through it a little faster than normal, but I think it's just because it was a lot of action-packed stuff. Yep. Not so much story, but the payoffs were good. This was definitely a really great issue. Like I feel like almost every chapter paid off and promised something new. Yeah, and even though I put World Trigger at the bottom, it still has me really excited to go read World Trigger. Like, I'm excited to see what's going to happen next week. I'm going to go back and read what happened in the previous weeks. So I'm definitely looking forward to every issue next week. Uh, Me too. And there's Seraph of the End and Blue Exorcist, I think. So I'm not looking forward to Blue Exorcist. I'm going to have to catch up on Seraph of the End before next week. That probably won't happen, but uh, I'm going to try. All right. So speaking of going to try, we tried something different this week, and we're going to all month, instead of some shonen manga, 
we read a classic shoujo manga, or at least the thing that popped up when I typed in classic shoujo manga from the 80s, which was Minako Narita's Cypher. So after the break, we're going to try to talk about shoujo manga without sounding really creepy with no woman here. Yep. All right, and we're back to talk about Cypher. This is weird for a couple of reasons. I think this is the first series that neither Kevin or I have any familiarity with. I think everyone we've read before this, we've both been not experts on, but very knowledgeable about. I've read everything that we've read previously. And I've at least seen the stories of everything we've read previously. Yep. In anime adaptations, or I've read it. Yep. It's also shoujo instead of shonen. While I have not seen very much shoujo, I definitely have seen some of it, so I'm not totally in the dark about it, but I'm definitely, it's not my, I'm not going to say it's not my cup of tea, but it's not what I typically consume. Yeah. yeah. It's also the first one we've read that does not have an anime adaptation. Yeah. So what did you think of Cypher, Kevin? It was a bit confusing at times. I felt like maybe the pacing was a little weird. For some of the story elements, like I would feel it was almost, did I miss something or wow, that turned around really fast. And then that led me to, okay, is that just a shoujo staple or is it me not reading the situation right? Or is it just, that's how this thing is working. So I was confused at times exactly what's going on between the characters, but overall I'm still kind of interested. I might go read volume two. I might save that. Maybe we'll do it for the podcast. Who knows? Yeah, so there are a lot of things that struck me about it. First, the art. It's exactly what I think of when I think of shoujo manga. Yeah. And like an almost parody way. And I think that does speak to us picking one that actually was representative of it. Yeah. It looks a lot like Sailor Moon. And by that, I mean Sailor Moon looks a lot like it. Yes. I feel like it was almost certainly a influence on that art. Or it was in a similar style because just shoujo manga is in that style. But there's a lot of stuff that looks like watercolory almost that has this like soft focus on it even though it's obviously all just ink and pen yeah and they definitely do that with the eyes a lot this is the i'm gonna call them shoujo eyes because i i don't see them in most other anime but it's that very watery effect when they're like their tears are coming up or they're trying to show an emotion and that their eyes get that look about them that i really like the first time I can think of that I saw that was Sailor Moon, where, you know, if she's getting excited about something or sad about something, that her eyes will do that. Before we go much further, we both read the English version by CMX Publishing. Yep. The lettering in it is garbage. That is not the fault of the original manga, I don't think. I don't read Japanese. So maybe this manga just has garbage lettering, but I have a feeling it is the responsibility of the English translators. I feel like it's the English translators, because some of the word bubbles, they instead typeset the lettering as if it were Japanese and would swap between the two. Like there would literally be during the middle of a conversation, you'd be reading standard English left to right, top bottom. And then you would suddenly be reading right to left, like columns in columns with really bad spacing. Yes. And so it was, that kind of threw me off for, Because, like, the book opens with that. Literally everything in the first part, they tried to keep, I guess they tried to keep as much of the art there as possible, rather than shifting it around so that English works. And I feel like that's probably what happened with some of the speech bubbles. They didn't want to try and manipulate the 
proportions of the art anywhere. So a lot of the speech bubbles were very thin, so they felt like they had to letter it the way they did in order to get the words in there. I just wish that they would have at least stuck to, all right, so am I reading right to left like I do in a normal manga, or am I suddenly reading left to right like I'm reading English now? What What's going on here? Yeah, and this was produced by CMX Manga, which no longer exists, so this book is out of print. Yep. But CMX Manga was an imprint of DC Comics, and I know DC Comics had some letterers in 2005, like some good ones. That yep. Maybe they don't want to like farm out to their manga imprint, but still, I feel like they hired someone straight out of college, and this was their first job. Like In particular, the first page is just unreadable. I came very close to typing out each letter in a word processor so that I could read what it says. So anyway, the main character is Anise. She has a last name. I don't remember it. I don't remember it either. I specifically was going to write it down, but then I didn't. I think they only mention it once, so I think it's not that important. Anyway, she is straight up a shonen protagonist. Yep. She's all about friendship. And after she has a super weird dream, she decides to approach Siva. Or how do you pronounce it? Siva is definitely what I went with. But now that I said it out loud, I'm second guessing myself. I thought it was Shiva. S-H-I-V-A. He does have an almost Hindu thing going on, right? Uh, Yeah, although now I can't remember if his name has an L in it or not. It does not. It's S-I-V-A. It's S-I-V-A? So Siva, probably. Uh, Anyway, he's a former model slash actor who goes to her art school. She goes to a fancy art high school. He is a current model slash actor. I thought he was a... Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. He had a twin brother who has quit yep. acting slash modeling. Anise wants to be his friend and is basically like, we should be friends. And he's like, okay. Yeah. Let's walk home together. And he's like, okay. She uh, goes home with him. They see some girl getting basically harassed. Yep. And Anise wants to stand up for her and like injects herself. And he doesn't want to. But when she does, he kind of follows after her. And... It's basically just the drama between them to start about her wishing he would help more. Yeah, and him going like, uh, you don't want to get mixed up in other people's things. There was probably more going on behind that harassment than just that guy is harassing her. We're in a bad section of the neighborhood. I don't want to get stabbed. And she was like, no, but we got to help the girl. She's in danger. It's like, well, she could leave anytime she wanted. You probably... They... Didn't they mention some kind of weird bureau of some kind? Like, not the police, like the Bureau for Crimes Against Women or something weird like that? I'm do- I don't remember if I'm remembering that correctly or I not. I don't remember anything like this, okay. but I did read this a while ago. So, Anyway, the main hook of the manga is she gets really involved with his life and discovers that he and his twin brother are living together and, like, trading off days they go out and live their life. Yeah, Like, every other day, one of them just stays home and hangs out. Yeah. And the other one goes and acts and schools. Yep. And the way she figures this out is, while she was on the date walking home with Siva, he cut his hand on a fence when he was dealing with the assault problem. And so the next day, she sees Siva, and he doesn't have a cut on his hand. And she's like, what? How, how is that possible? How could you not have any scar? Like, you injured yourself yesterday. It wasn't, there's no way it healed in a single day. So anyway, she's like, why would you live this way? And they're like, it's our business, don't get involved. And she's like, I bet that in two weeks I can tell you the two of you apart. And if I can, you have to tell me what's going on. Yep. And they're like, okay, but if you can't, then you aren't allowed to tell anyone what we're doing. Yep. 
And then she's trying for a while, but she's like, no, this is too hard. I demand you we restart the two weeks and you let me move in with you well, for she said, two weeks. Yeah, she said it's too hard because I only see you during lunch and for a couple hours after school. And I'm not able to get enough information about you that way. So I demand that you let me stay with you for two weeks. And this is where we clearly see Siva and Cypher are like, what? No, we can't have her staying here for two weeks. Are you kidding me? But like a shonen protagonist, she is very determined. Yes. Well, and Siva kind of eggs her on to do it. And Cypher's like, you have to treat her like a three-year-old, okay? She does not understand what she is saying or the context in which she is saying it into. Yeah, so this leads to her living with them. Her dad is surprisingly cool with it. Yeah, because literally she tells him, I have to go stay at a friend's house for two weeks, and I can't tell you why. And he's like, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, her parents are separated. Her mom is living with her little brother, who was in some sort of accident. Yep. That Anise seems to blame herself for, but yep. he seems to be getting on all right. She spends the week with her dad, but then lives with her mom on the weekends. Yep. So anyway, she starts living with them, trying to learn to tell them apart. There's lots of drama. There's lots of drama. There's, There's lots of... Brewball comedy. Yeah, like right when she shows up, she's like, yeah, I brought this and this and this. And, you know, it's like I brought my pop star doll, which is clearly Michael Jackson. They mention a pop song that they listen to. And she's like, oh, you like pop? I've got this pop star doll. I can bring it. And she's got a bunch of crazy stuff. And then they have the bit where she reveals that she brought tampons because she's like, well, I figured you guys didn't have them. Like, yeah, I guess two guys living in an apartment would not have tampons on hand. Yes. And also they do all sorts of weird stuff like cocaine, which I guess is not weird for New York in the 80s. And also they just totally make out when they go to bed, you know, like you do with your family if you're in a shoujo manga. I don't know if this is. Like, they're trying to hint at something extremely weird going on there. Or if it's pure fan service. Yeah, or if it's pure fan service of like, oh yeah, we, we just kiss like that whenever whenever we go to bed, or whenever we wake up, or whenever we leave, or come back. Like So it's like four times a day. The art of her reaction to it is very good, and yeah. might be the panel of the week. It's either that going to be that, or some real soft-focused shoujo. We'll see. Yep. But anyway, she lives with them. Finally, they get to the point where they're like, okay, this is the end of the bet. We're going to ask you three times which of us is which, and if you can answer all three times, then you win. Because Yeah, because they're like, well, I mean, you've still got a 50-50 shot, so we're trying to reduce the randomness factor as much. And then as soon as she makes the guess, they both get to leave the room and then come back in so that she can't make the same guess once and then just track the person. Yeah. So she gets it right the first two times, but then gets it wrong the third time, kind of clearly on purpose, but that's revealed later. Yeah, it. she seems really flustered at first, so you can't tell if it was because of the subject matter that they had been talking about or what exactly was going on before she reveals that she kind of on purpose didn't want to, because she was like, I, I actually had them figured out. Like, I know what Cypher's like. I kind of know what Shiva's like uh, because I've lived with them for two weeks. I am starting to recognize the differences. Yeah, but I don't want to force them to reveal their secret to me. Yeah, it was the, a true friend would wait until they're ready to tell me, as opposed to force them to tell me what's going on. Uh, Which is kind of the cliffhanger we end on. We also see the two boys coughing a lot, but I'm not sure if that's something or if it's just one of them was painting. So it's like a comedic scene of him coughing from the fumes or if it's hinting at something. I'm really not sure. I'm really not sure either. 
Uh, we also, they set up, I think it's Cypher has been rejected twice for an acting deal by this one director. So if something might come like that might be one of the other plot points in later volumes. Also, one of them keeps skipping school on a certain day. Yep. Like there's a phone call that's just like, this phone call will continue until attendance approves. Yep. So there's lots of stuff set up in it. I did enjoy reading it, but also a lot of it is weird. Yeah. I, I'm clearly not the audience for this. No. Because are we supposed to like ship a niece with either of these people? Like, because they so. also don't really seem to have much like romantic chemistry. Like, it the two like boys she... together seem to have more romantic chemistry than either does with her. Well, it seemed like I think it's Shiva. Or no, I think it's Cipher is the one that she seems to get along with way more than yeah. Siva. And so I think that's what they're kind of hinting at. But it doesn't seem romantic to me at all. That's what kind of makes me feel like that's why we're supposed to ship them, is it's not she is getting along with him more like from a... So it's not the lustful first crush kind of thing, kind of like she was with Siva. Not even with Siva, but it's not like a first crush kind of thing. It's more like this is an actual relationship. Yeah, it just seems to me like they have no chemistry. I feel like they started having chemistry as the two weeks were going by, like they had been trying to hide themselves for the two, not, not quite trying to hide themselves, but trying to, because like clearly they have a Chad one point about, well, we can't tell her and all this other stuff. So there's a lot of high drama set up. The yep. main character is pretty likable. The cliffhanger is interesting. Yep. It's really unclear where the story's going to go because she's not living with them anymore. And she knows, but what does she do with that? Yep. Well, clearly she's going to try and get them to reveal to her why they're doing this rather than forcing them to do it. Yeah, it's just not an obvious direction the story goes, but it's clearly not done, which is kind of a weird way to do a cliffhanger. But it is interesting. Yeah. It at least it made me want to, you know, I probably want to pick up volume two and see where that goes. Hopefully the lettering gets better. I know it won't, but hopefully it does. Yeah, well, maybe they hired someone. Totally possible. Maybe they brought in someone from DC's end of comics or Dark Horse or... Well, I mean, I could see that after they print volume one and get a ton of complaints of like, oh my God, what have you done here? And they're like, oh yeah, we probably should have like got somebody to look at that. Hopefully. We can only hope. Anything else you want to say about Cypher? Uh, it was pro not my favorite that we've read so far. I was going to say it's my least favorite. I did like it more than Dragon Ball volume one though. So yeah. that's not true. Uh, Same here. Shoujo isn't typically my cup of tea. And because of that, I don't have a ton of background of like, I've read a ton of shonen manga, so I can tell when I like it, when I don't like it. I was at least interested in Cypher and kind of forcing me to read some of these shoujo manga will be interesting. I guess it's not forcing me to do it. It's just making myself do it. Giving me the motivation to read the shoujo manga will be pretty interesting. So I'm excited to see where the rest of this month goes. Yeah. All right, but before we talk about what we're going to be reading next week, we have one more segment, the segment where we rank characters. This is personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? So the personality power level list currently has four entries. They're all boys. At the top is Izuki Midoriya from My Hero Academia. At the bottom is Ichigo Kurosaki from Bleach. Son Goku from Dragon Ball is above him, and Monkey D. Luffy is in second place. So we're going to be adding a niece who is a pretty much a shonen protagonist. She's just a girl. Yep. How do we think she compares to these guys? 
I my gut instinct says she's better than Ichigo. I feel like maybe yep. I'm just being mean to Ichigo, but a little bit. She at least has character about her, and even though I don't quite understand all of the tropes going on in this shoujo manga, I feel like she has more personality. Even though she comes off as very silly, like that's clearly what they're going for. She shows that she does think about things like that, especially right at the very end where she's like, I want them to reveal to me their secret rather than force them to tell me their secret because that's the right thing to do. Like, I don't want to force them to do something. I want them to want to tell me. All right. I also kind of think she's better than Goku. I'm not as sure on that one. Goku can be a doofus when he's written really poorly. And I feel like I like her more than like doofus Goku. But I do like, well, if you go super doofus Goku into the Team Four Star Abridged Goku, I like him actually a lot more. But I don't feel that that counts because that's not actually like it's Goku, but it's not written by any of the official creators. I'm thinking more Dragon Ball Super Goku, but I'm not even sure if that counts because that's only tangentially a Toriyama. Yeah. I definitely like her more than I liked Goku in the arc that we read. Yes, definitely. I don't like Volume 1 Dragon Ball Goku. Like, he's he's like just there. Yeah. And that's kind of my feelings on why I think I like her a little bit more. Goku develops a little more as he goes on, but he is kind of just a person things happen to, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot of change to him. There's, I have a hard time thinking of, like, big emotional moments with Goku. I feel like there's Vegeta's death. That's a big one. Like well, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying that there aren't any, but, like, even with somebody like Luffy, I can think of, a, on hand, a bunch of emotional moments for him. And especially with Izuku, there are a ton of emotional moments with him. But with Goku, there aren't that many... Things of like, oh, no, he gets, you know, he got super sad because of the thing. It's like, yeah, but I didn't really feel the impact of it as much as, and it doesn't have to be like a sadness thing of, oh, this person died and how did they react to it? Like, some of it is just their emotional moments of joy and how the characters interact with that. So I think I'm agreeing with you that I, I like Anise more than Goku. I don't think I like her more than Luffy, though, and she seems weird to break those two up. But there we go, because I'm in the exact same boat, because I like Luffy more than Anise. Like I said, I can think of a bunch of emotional impacts for Luffy. It's not like a huge gap, because uh, clearly I feel that they're fairly close together. But I think I would put her in between the two of them. All right. So Anise Murphy, because that is her last name, it is the most generic American sounding last name you can have, is going to go dead center of the list at number three, above Son Goku below monkey d luffy and that does it for the podcast pretty much yeah we have a few wrap-up things to do before we get to that next week we're gonna read some more shoujo but something from the 90s and something that's way closer to what we've read already yep because we're gonna be reading a volume one of nioku takeuchi's sailor moon hell yeah yep i've never read sailor moon but clearly i have seen it I've not read Sailor Moon either, actually. I have seen Crystal, which kind of sucked. And I have read all of Codename Sailor V. So gotcha. I kind of know what I'm in for. I'm very excited for it. I, I am too. Um, But before that, you can see our past episodes. And maybe the list will be up. I have to organize the website. But you can see them at www.lastpodcast.com. 
That's also where you can see my other podcast, Last Time on Video Games. This week we played Rayman Advance. You're not missing much. As well as It's a Gundam, our episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast. And by R, I mean my friend Zach and Tyler. Kevin's not on that one. Nope. Except for when he is. It's not very often, though. It's not very often at all. If you have any suggestions for manga you want us to read, whether it be shoujo, more shonen, or something different, you can leave a comment on the website. Any episode will do. We'll find it. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fistfight by Tom W. Emmert. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. Our album art was by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Is there anything you want to plug, Kevin? Not this week. All right. We'll see you next week. I'm leaving in the deep breath, too. No, please do. It was intentionally exaggerated. Yep. I did it in the last episode, too.